0: Welcome to Your New Money. I'm Brian Hurst. This evening we're once again focusing on short-term insurance. Short-term insurance is probably the biggest grudge purchase in your expense budget. The small claims not covered are incredibly irritating, but ultimately insurance is about protecting against the major catastrophes that can not only destroy possessions but cause you to face financial ruin. It's difficult pull to swallow when you have insurance and then discover that your cover was insufficient. And joining this evening is my regular guest, Craig Pogger, director of the Pro Group. Craig, lovely to have you on the show again. Good to be
1: here, thanks. Craig. Craig, unpack for me need to have insurance versus nice to have insurance. Brian, let's start off with the need to have. Very important, make sure your homeowners and your householders are in place and comprehensive. When I say comprehensive, uh, make sure that it's insured adequately. There is a term of uh, average that is defined in the insurance industry, where you don't insure at the full replacement value. If you don't do that, you may have an issue when it uh, comes to claiming. The last two halves are jewellery, where you may have a vehicle at 10,000 Rand, Don't not, do, uh, not insure the vehicle, maybe reduce it from comprehensive down to third party only. So the last have a lot of people insure jewellery, items that they don't even wear out of the home but yet spend a lot of premium insuring those items. So my advice is to make sure that the home is insured adequately, the household is covered, make sure it's at the full replacement value to avoid average in the event of a claim and also to understand the terms and conditions, alarm warranties, which are very important when reading a policy. And if you don't understand a condition in the policy, consult your broker to get the understanding. Craig, we talk
0: that's personal large insurance, but you go to it's exactly the same in business insurance. Insure for the major items: your stock, your buildings, uh, maybe your your major ve- your vehicles and that type of thing. But you, you know, people tend to have on policies a lot of, of items that cost money. Irritate because they may be underinsured and if you look at the short-term ombudsman's report he talks about two major problems He talks about non-disclosure Not reading conditions of policies as one
1: and then he also talks about under insurance So Brad going back to the point about commercial insurance We're having a lot of businesses that are not insuring laptops laptops is expensive to insure and they're using that premium to increase their fire some insured because that's obviously also at the full replacement value of your stock plant and equipment, including that, as well as your loss of profits. So clients were very well aware that those two areas are catastrophe areas where you need to, obviously, in the event of a claim, those are the most important issues when facing uh, a catastrophe. If you lose a laptop or a laptop gets stolen, the potential chance of you running your business in the next day, your business will carry on. But in the event of a fire or catastrophe, you may have an issue in starting up your business, and that's why fire insurance and loss of profits is extremely important.
0: Okay, so let's come back to w-
1: the short-term comments
0: report. One of the comments he makes is non-disclosure. People not disclosing previous claims, not disclosing issues that could affect their insurance,
1: and then you mentioned you mentioned alarm warranties. Sure. So non-disclosure is very important, Brian. A lot of in, a lot of brokers insurers ask questions. Uh, but very often the insured doesn't really remember what happened three years ago. So what's very important is to do the underwriting process and to ask the various questions. Mm-hmm. How many claims you've had in the last three years, claimed or not claimed? I mean you may have had a, a bumper a claim but you never told your insurer because you didn't want to put in the claim. But it's very important to disclose those kind of things. Also, we also have issues where houses, the constructions of homes. Is your home thatch or standard construction? We know in the Nasna claims there were a lot of homes uh, where the insurance companies had a difficult time in paying because the construction of the home wasn't the, it wasn't informed to the insurers. It wasn't disclosed to the insurers, and that became a problem. So disclosure is very, very important, Brian. Okay, so let's talk. Are most householders' policies m- have an alarm warranty? Not all house politi- householders' policy. Very often an insurer will, would apply two minimum security criteria. You either have to have an alarm in working order and switched on whenever your home is left unoccupied. Every policy is different, so one needs to identify how that alarm warranty reads. The second minimum criteria if you don't have an alarm is potentially have burglar bars on all your opening windows, sliding gates and security gates on your sliding doors. So it all depends on the sum insured of your householder's policy as well. The higher the, the, the risk, the more security the insurers may want.
0: And also, Craig, I mean, when you
1: send out a renewal notice, I mean, you get your renewal notice,
0: I mean, those important uh, uh, additions that you, your protections that your insurers are asked for, I mean, is it not incumbent on the broker actually to each year
1: point that out to you? Because, as you say, we have short memories, insurers. Who reads an insurance policy? Brian, we always incentivize our clients to read the policies read the policy wording. It's not always practical, we understand. To give so them poker points, have you got a vitality <laughs> scheme and you know <laughs> a poker point system? We try our very best every time we touch our clients, being at adding on a car or increasing householders to remind the insured about the terms and conditions of the policy. It is very important. And again, yes, the brokers need to understand, as well as the client, what the insurance companies want in terms of the risk. Well, we're going to take a break. You're watching you main this evening. We're talking short-term
0: insurance. My guest is Craig Poger. You can call me. 011 483 1518 stay tuned we'll be back shortly Welcome back to New Money this evening we're discussing sort of insurance. My guest is Craig Boga. and if you'd like to call us our number 011 483 1518, you can see Craig removed his jacket, the studio is hot, and the lights <laughs> are bright this evening. Craig, we've got an email from Maria in Peter Marinsburg, he says, if I let my primary residence out on Airbnb, what m- information must I give my insurance company? It's, well, let me change this, not
1: only about what information are you covered? you are covered, but there are you, you're changing the risk profile of your householders, in fact, the property. So the insurance companies look at excluding two main issues. Firstly, theft needs to accompany forcible entry. If you're renting out your home, you can't leave the floor uh, sorry, the door open and expect there to be theft insurance. So theft is subject to forced entry, and a lot of insurers exclude malicious damage to the property. But so it's very important because, like discussed earlier in the show, that is material. So you need to advise your insurers with regarding that and especially the liability, liability becomes an issue if you're renting out your home, are your tenants covered for liability issues? What do I mean by liability issues? If something happens in the house and they fall and they slip and they sue the owner of the property, do you have the correct correct liability insurance? So those are very important things that you need to inform your insurers about that. But
0: but you can can you get the cover? You can absolutely but at yes. the
1: moment. At your home, is you don't is your home your theft cover have, have that condition? Violent and forcible entry. So again, not every policy is the same. Most insurers you have to have forced entry. Some insurers you don't. All depending on if the house is occupied or unoccupied. So again, one needs to just speak to the broker, consult your broker, and identify if your policy has those criteria that you need to adhere to.
0: Good evening. We've got our first call of this evening, Pat. Good evening to you. Please go ahead Hello. with the question.
1: Um, I have a problem with my insurers regarding a retaining wall that has collapsed. The claim was rejected by the insurers because
0: they said that it was incorrectly constructed. The wall collapsed due to a storm and the policy does cover storm damage. Thank
1: you for that, Pat. Craig? Problem sometimes retaining walls, isn't it? Retaining walls, and often retaining walls are excluded in terms of uh, a policy. Boundary walls are sometimes excluded, again, depending on what policy you have. Now, the, the issue that we have here is defective building. You know, was the, wall, was the wall built correctly? It's not if there's a storm and the wall collapses. Potentially, if there was a storm and it was built correctly, the, the, the wall may have not collapsed. So one needs to identify what's the proximate cause. Is it storm? Yes, okay. Was the war did the wall collapse as a result of defective building or design? And if that is the case, unfortunately, the insurance companies are not going to pay for a builder's negligence when it comes to defective building.
0: Well, I mean, bu- the wall ma- I mean Pat's wall may have been standing for years. I mean, you know, c- no one ma- probably can't even find the builder. But let me just ask you a question, because often I'm asked the question, what is public liability insurance? So let me use that as an example. The wall collapses and causes damage to someone else, collapses on a motor car or even causes injury
1: to an individual. Is that where public liability, your public liability insurance comes in? Public liability is if the insured is negligent. So if the neighbour informs you that your wall is slanting and you've done nothing about it and the wall collapses and damages a vehicle, potentially your neighbour will have a claim under the liability section. If your dog bites your next door neighbour because you left the gate open, that's negligence. Where The the wall falls over as a result of a storm. That's not public liability. That is an insured peril. And as a result of that, the wall will be covered and you're hoping that your neighbour has insurance because there would be obviously resultant damage following that wall collapsing. But Craig, liability, you can never admit liability.
0: I mean, it's like a motor car accident. You can't, if you, if you, if you tr- drive into someone in front of you, you are at fault. But you can't actually admit liability. You've got to let the insurance companies deal with it, and you can't, you know. I, I know of an, in of an incident where someone was injured in a gym and they now obviously going to the gym and saying we want you to pay the cost the gym aren't going to pay the cost the gyms are going to hand it over to the insurance company
1: so the individual is actually going to be in fighting the insurance companies so brian as your example with the vehicle you may have gone into the third party but technically you may not be negligent was the third party did the thir- third uh, third party slam on brakes for an unknown reason don't admit liability in the event of an accident what i would suggest is take all the details of the third party license details Uh, ID numbers, take pictures, you know, we can use modern technology today to assist us. Take pictures of the third party, the accident and submit it to insurers. But to admit liability, you may be prejudicing your insurance company's rights.
0: Barine Jansbury says, please explain replacement value versus depreciated value. It's an interesting one, because people always say, particularly in your home, you know, my furniture's worth less and everything I've got in, but you've actually got to insured for replacement,
1: but are you going to get replacement? So Brian, jewellery is always a uh, uh, one to debate with because if you insure an item at a specific value, there's certain variables that need to be accounted for. Obviously the Rand dollar, the variance in the Rand dollar has a major impact on insuring your jewellery. We suggest to our, insured our clients to have that valuation done or updated every two years. The second part is obviously proof of ownership, which is, which is very important. But in terms of depreciation, depreciation doesn't have any value in insuring on a policy. What I mean by that, you need to insure at the replacement value of your home. What is the cost of rebuilding to your home today? Not what you could sell it on the market. Your householders' insurance. Beds, linen, curtains, the replacement of that not if you bought a dining room 10 years ago and you've worked out the depreciation of that. And if it refers to a, on a business policy, often we get inventories from the accountants at businesses on depreciated values. It must be at replacement value because you want to be put back in the position that you were prior to the loss. So if you're insuring at the depreciated value, A, you're not going to get paid, and B, you're going to have average apply. so you, you, you're going to have a, a, a shortfall when claiming.
0: Yeah, are, are insurance companies g- g-
1: getting more uh, stricter in their approach? Particularly when it comes to average Yes, Brian, the insurance companies unfortunately have had major catastrophes that they've had to deal with locally and internationally And as a result of that they are becoming tougher and they are checking things like security They always have but they're becoming more strict in terms of making sure that you comply Very important is underwriting at inception You know we have insurers that we work with very proud to work with that they underwrite at inception they ask the questions have your clients have any claims uh, material facts about the security of the home you don't want to ask those questions at claim stage because that creates a problem so underwriting an inception is very important so Craig you mentioned earlier in the
0: start of the program
1: so if you have an accident
0: a small accident but you don't claim if you lose something or you have a burglary
1: but you don't claim you've still got to report that to the insurance companies. Those could potentially be material facts, Brian, and I would discuss it with your broker. Let your broker advise the insurers. Let the insurance companies make the decision what is material and what is non-material because that's very important. You don't want to miss out on an item uh, that potentially happened and could prejudice prejudice your claim going forward. So rather disclose all the the information up front and let your broker and insurer um, make the decision as to what they believe is material and not. Um, Stephen Imanone says, this is what you were talking about, last year I revalued all my
0: wife's jewellery when the RAND was close to 14. I'm now paying premiums on inflated values, what do you suggest? Well, we always speak about the other way, when the RAND was depreciating and your valuations, you talk about two years, but within a six-month period, I mean, your replacement on your jewellery could be so much more. Now we're talking about appreciation of the RAND and actually
1: the, the replacement value being less. So, Brian, it is a concern, obviously, you know, we're, we're having your insurance at one value and then all of a sudden it reduces. I would like to suggest pick a middle of the road if you can. Something that you feel comfortable and you can sleep at night. That If that item is potentially lost or stolen, that you have the benefit of replacing it like for like. If there's a major reduction in the Rand dollar, like we're seeing at the moment, and it fluctuates all the time, Again, have those values done every two years. Administratively, for the premium, the cost of the premium, the variance may not be beneficial month on month. Over a period of time, it may become beneficial. But again, work out the discounts. We always incentivize our clients to keep our items in a safety deposit box. The premium reduces considerably, the risk is less, and there's a saving in terms of having that to mitigate losses and, uh, at, at home. So I would suggest those kind of things. But again, Two years, every two years, or on the anniversary of your policy, which happens once a year. So, Craig, let's assume I've got a piece of jewellery that's worth uh, insured at the moment for a hundred thousand. I've got
0: a valuation for a hundred thousand, but because the rand dollar uh, is, is 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 stronger now, the rand, and I redu- and I insured that for say eighty-five thousand. So now I've got a valuation for a hundred, and I'm insuring it for eighty-five. And now there's a claim.
1: Is that subject to average? No. So. Uh, when you specify an item, most insurance policies don't apply average to specified items. So the insurance companies will work out the replacement of that item. If it's going to cost 100,000 to replace, they potentially may look at a cash in blue settlement of 85,000. If it's going to cost them 85,000 to replace, i will look at replacing the item for you. Remember, the insurance companies have the right to either pay cash in lieu, a cash settlement, or replace the item, depending on the valuation. But again, the fact that there's a valuation tells the insurance company the description, and the fact that you had it will make sure it easier for them to put you back in the position that you applied to the loss. Well,
0: we're going to take a break. You can still call me on 481 You're watching sh- um, You and Your Money this evening. Stay tuned. I'll come back to you in your morning this evening we're talking short term my, ga- my guest is Craig Poga Philip and Emrencia said is it unusual for your insurance policy insist that you install fire extinguishers or smoke detectors before you answer that question let me give the number out you can still call us on 011 483 1518
1: Craig smoke detectors not unusual brand. In homes, or is this more business? No, homes, in homes, sometimes a smoke detector in homes is more unusual than businesses. Every insurer has a, dip in a different appetite for risk and looking at mitigating risk differently. So we're we often finding today's underwriting has become scientific. They're working out, do you have a fire station close to your home? How long will it take for them to come to your home? So there's all these different uh, rating structures. So insurance companies are looking at different ways in rating premium. Commercially, if you don't have any fire extinguishers at the work, they look at doing that. And they look at applying themselves and making sure that you actually mitigate your risk and they're looking at other things like power surge uh, devices to try and prevent uh, damage as a result of power surge or lightning. So insurance companies are looking at all different ways to, to mitigate claims and, and to reduce risk.
0: Uh, that email and also just thinking about it prompted me, I've got a, at, at home, I've got a generator and in my garage I keep petrol. Obviously
1: it's petrol driven. Now, is that material? Well, it depends how many litres of petrol you're keeping there, Brian. Obviously, there's certain criteria and well, requirements. I think requirements. it's a small
0: 22 yeah.
1: can. So, uh, again... I mean, could that be
0: a material non-disclosure?
1: Again, it could be a material non-disclosure. A generator is an item that you need to know about. It's, it's an item that you may want machinery breakdown, which you need to advise your broker about obtaining a quote for. And, again, if you're storing a certain amount of petrol as a reserve on the premises... How many litres and have you informed your insurers? Many insurers may underwrite that differently. Other insurers may well say, OK, we've got no problem with
0: that. Better to tell your insurers. Better to tell your yep. insurers, yes. Barion says, I have two questions regarding motor insurance. Does my policy cover any individual who drives my car with my permission? And how often do I have to check the treads on my tyres? So,
1: the first question is, first can, can anyone drive the car, I mean, unless there's name drivers? Depends on what policy you have. Very often policies restrict the drivers, or they make sure that the regular driver is driving the, ro- the car more regular than the non-regular driver. So there's no one policy that's the same. We often have insurers that only that designated or nominated driver can drive. It also depends on the value of the vehicle. higher value vehicles may have nominated drivers. We insured and spouse are the only ones allowed to drive the vehicle. So there is no actual uh, um, saying definite that this is the case and this is how it must be again discuss it with your broker, identify, have knowledge. We have some insurers that, regardless of the value, say that you're the only one that can drive the vehicle.
0: And what happens in an emergency? I mean, do they, are they a little bit uh, flexible?
1: Yeah, I'd like to think that uh, the most insurers will uh, address the claim based on its merits in the event of emergency. emergency. Yeah. And then the tyre treads? So is, tre-
0: is that a big issue with insurers, having a look to see whether the car is
1: fully roadworthy and l- the first place you're going to look is the tyres? Absolutely. I mean, tire tread does play a part in a claim. If uh, the the tread is worn and you have an accident and it could have been avoided if you had the correct tread, the insurance companies look at that uh, negatively. So tread is definitely something that the insurance company is having a look at uh, for safety, for obviously for again mitigating claims. If you have the right tread, you're obviously uh, uh, against the law You know, to have the correct tread.
0: And Nazir in Cape Town says, Can I take excesses on my home policy, which include fire, householders, and all and will it help me save on my premium?
1: So there's two elements there. There's limiting cover, so instead of having comprehensive under the householders, maybe reduce it to potentially fire and lightning perils, or allied perils. Um, You know, those obviously reduce and take out the theft element, will have a reduction in the premium. And then obviously what we also have is if you increase the excesses on the policy, many insurers offer discounts in increasing the excesses. Some, some insurers don't incentivise you, but those are the two areas that one would look at. Potentially reducing the tier of cover, comprehensive to obviously fire and allied perils, or increasing your excess. But don't cancel that particular cover, there's always a way in insuring and applying your premium differently. James is on the line, evening James, would you go ahead do the question?
0: Hi, it's James MC. Thank you for listening to me, Brian. Brian, I'm going to be very quick. I've got a little bit of feedback. Is that a problem? You are, have, you, have you got, have you got uh, your TV on or your radio on?
1: Okay,
0: well, I'm going to do is just uh, move far away. Um, Brian, I'm going to be very quick. I've got, like, a, an ongoing problem in a house that I rent, and it seems to be related to uh, water copper water pipes in the in the uh, uh, wall that seems to be dripping down in the foundation area. is that covered Uh, by james we're getting enormous amount of feedback my producer is going to take your call and will feed me the question and we'll answer it before the show ends thank you very much thanks james charmaine in durban says is the bank liable if there's theft from my safety deposit box do i lodge a detailed inventory with them or on all items or do i
1: need to ensure these so, Brian, um, in the past that we've had a lot of banks offset their liability in terms of what's in the safety deposit box. Um, we incentivize, we motivate our clients to insure for safety in this items in the safety deposit box. Banks could get robbed, banks could burn down. So that's why it's very important to have those items specified. But the bank vault r- uh, rate is considerably cheaper than the normal specified or risk rate. So why take a chance and not understand your policy between yourself and the bank? Rely on your own policy, ensure your items, make sure you again have valuations. Keep them separate from where you're keeping your items. Don't keep your jewellery items and the valuations in one area because you don't want there to be a problem in that, that area and you can't have or substantiate your claim because your valuations have gone with the jewellery. And Craig, so many policies include, uh, have a safe warranty that you've actually got to put your jewellery in the safe at home. Yes, absolutely. There's certain limits with the insurance companies apply that any item in, in excess of a certain limit has to be kept in a safe at home. So again, very important to understand the policy. S- safe uh, safety uh, safe conditions at home also apply. It's, uh, those are the things that uh, you know one needs to understand because again, insurance companies are looking at mitigating risk. Don't leave your ring on the dining room table go out and come back and expect it to be covered. That's the rational behind having that uh, safe uh, warranty at home. So, uh, so let's just talk
0: about safe deposit book. It is a bit of a hassle. You've got to keep going, but it's going to save you money. But you've got to remember to inform your insurance company. Yes, yeah, so very uh, often... And then what rate will they charge you when you take it out? Let's say you take out a, a watch or a ring for a, a week
1: or 10 days. So every insurer will have a different rate applicable, 3%, 4%, percent, percent, depending on the insurer. And in addition to that, yeah, you need to obviously advise your insurer when James, you take it out. Um, have you got James's question?
0: Craig, insurable claim, but he he did say he's renting the property and obviously the owner would be responsible for the damage under a house owner's price. I
1: didn't get the full question but I kind of got the gist of it. Uh, Copper pipes leaking, Um, leaking is excluded, so leaking pipes is not an insured peril, bursting is, uh, is, is an insured peril, so determining where the leak is, a lot of insurance companies will apply that cover and say okay we'll pay for the cost and we'll pay for the resultant damage. Of that. But again, if he is a tenant, I'll make it the responsibility of the, the homeowner to, to to mitigate or take that claim up.
0: James, perhaps you need to call me off air and I'll give you Craig's number and you can have a discussion. because I'm not sure we've dealt with that you know, in, in full. Of all the financial related topics that we discuss on the programme, the subject of short term insurance gives me more after hours work than any other. I advise many to take their repudiated claims back to the short term ombudsman who's been doing a fantastic job. I keep wondering where this is as a result of either dealing directly with insurers or a lack of understanding of what insurance has actually been bought. One has to be sensible and understand what cover you require. Everyone should cover fully for catastrophe and not worry about some of the more trivial items which increases one's premium enormously but can cause obviously great annoyance and anxiety. Craig, I'd like to thank you for joining me this evening. Next week's programme will be focusing on estate planning and if you need to get hold of me, my details will appear on the screen. Thank you for watching and good night.